Hello and welcome back to the Slam podcast. What a week it has been in the golfing world. You might have thought things would have calmed down a little bit following the back-to-back Solheim and Ryder Cups, but no. We've had first-time winners, five-man playoffs, two rain-affected events and much more. Before we get into it all, we've got to mention that the Slam, of course, is partnered by Callaway, whose new Apex UT utility iron is now available in stores and online, and it is a beauty. Uh, let's start in Scotland, um, where play didn't even finish on Sunday. Torrential downpours across the weekend meant that there was no play at the Alfred Dunnell Lynx Championship um, across both Saturday and Sunday. In the end, the DP World Tour decided to shorten the event to 54 holes. With each player, they will have played one round across the uh, three courses in action, being Carnoustie, Kings Bairns, and of course the old course at St Andrews. Uh, Matt Chivers, as always, joins me on the Slam podcast this week. Matt, I suppose this is just the joy of hosting something outdoors in the UK in October, I guess. Yeah, I suppose, but it's been quite been quite warm down here, to be fair, this, this weekend. But, um, I mean... Well, there was no play at all on Saturday, was there? Then there's no play yesterday on yesterday on Sunday. Um, so to be playing like a third round on a Monday is, you know, I know we've had delays before, but to be only playing a third round um, on a Monday is pretty pretty unheard of. Um, I'm sure some people might might want to prove me wrong and go back and have it and take a look. But um, I was I was messaging last night. I was messaging John Murphy, who who's playing this week. Um, up in Scotland, um, and he did not seem confident last night that they were, that they were going to be playing golf today. Um, and when you look at the images of Car, I, was, I think particularly Carnoustie was the issue. Um, there was uh, St Andrews was obviously uh, bogged down in rain, um, and Kings Barnes was affected, but Carnoustie looked the absolute worst. Um, really, really bad. It was virtually underwater. Large parts of the course. We're literally underwater. Like you, put, you say that for like to, to exaggerate sometimes um, to create a, to create a scene of the golf course, but it was literally underwater. And the, the, I, I do not understand how that how those greenkeepers have got that course playable for today. I saw a couple of um, photos of and videos of the golf course um, this morning, and there are there is still casual water around. But some of it, some of the scenes on the golf course now, um, you wouldn't you wouldn't even thought there was rain at the weekend. It's it's such an unbelievable effort from from the green staff at Carnoustie, who've obviously worked very early this morning, and I imagine large parts of last night to get the course playable for today. And they got underway, I think, at Carnoustie about forty five minutes ago. I think they got, I think they got underway a bit quicker at um, St Andrews. But uh, honestly, I couldn't believe I can't believe they're playing today. John, John actually mentioned me this morning saying, "Oh, they're, they're actually they're actually doing it. They're playing." And I looked on on X. I was going to say Twitter. Then L- looked on X, and Christ, like fair play, I- I'm unbelievable. Yeah, I know exactly. I think the image uh, I think we all would have seen is basically just water everywhere at Carnoustie. It was completely, completely flooded. Um, yeah, so we've got to really, as you say, commend the 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 green staff and and the entirety. Uh, there and also to the DP World Tour as well for for coming to the, the the conclusion to just play three rounds and with it being over the three courses it kind of made sense actually to just do three rounds instead of then mm-hmm. trying to get everyone off in the morning and then maybe trying to play at St Andrews which is obviously as we know where the final round usually is on 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 the Sunday normally 
Um, but it sort of brings to to um, a point something we, we were talking about actually earlier yeah. is um, you know this is a very unique event, especially on the on the DP World Tour, and especially with three courses um, in use. We we see some events that have two courses being played at times. We saw that at um, the ISPS World Hander Invitational a few weeks back, of course, um, in Northern Ireland. But three courses, and then obviously the third third round cut is what would normally happen um, at the Dunhill Links. Um, I think I think it's a great idea, personally. I, I really enjoy it. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that? And should there be more multi-course events, do you think, on tour? I think, um, like... Definitely, I, th- I think it's definitely doable. Um, I think that's why a lot of the players like going up there. You know, even though, even though um, Fleetwood and McIntyre and the likes had, um, and Fitzpatrick had the, the Ryder Cup last week, they're going straight up to Scotland. Um, and I think it's just because the quality of the golf courses. You know, surely you'll never get bored of playing the old course, and then you've got Carnoustie, which is obviously very famous for hosting many many Open Championships, and then Kings Barnes. Um, apparently, is is absolutely excellent. I've not I've not played at any of them as of yet, but apparently, Kings Barnes is absolutely class as well. Um, and I think I think you're listing some tournaments there. Uh, I think the Amex on the deep, on the PGA Tour uses a couple of golf uses a couple of different golf courses um, at the start of the year. I think that's true. Um, but yeah, I, 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 don't, I think it's a that was that's what makes it unique. It, it's sort of it's good for the pram as well because all the people in the pram get to play three different golf courses, um, or different golf courses anyway. Um, and certainly on on the DP World Tour, you could definitely um, you could definitely increase that sort of presence. Like for example, the British Masters, um, it's been held at Hillside before, so you, you could potentially have a tournament uh, like the British Masters across three golf courses easily. You can have oh, across yes. six golf. You can have across six golf courses in in, in, <laughs> in that area exactly. Merseyside, yeah. yeah you, you can have for the British Masters. You can have three rounds, three different golf courses. You can have Hillside. You can have Southport and Ainsdale, which hosted recently hosted um, uh, the amateur the amateur championship. And Hillside hosted the British Masters anyway. Mm. You've got West Lanks that have done open qualifying this year, and, and, you, and you don't have to have um, massive fan villages and grandstands at these golf courses so, so I don't think space would be an issue and then obviously you've got Birkdale there as well so I, I think I think it's definitely I think it could definitely be on the cards one year like you've got also got in 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 the UK certainly just as use that as one example you could definitely have more three two four golf course events like Surrey would be another example like you could have the British Masters at Walton Heath um Sunningdale Wentworth, um, St George's Hill, if they've got the space to have a few stands and hold a few fans. Um, so I think it's, I think it's definitely an idea that could be explored. And even in like Spain, like for example, the Spanish Open, like a Andalusia Masters could be across different golf courses. You've got Valderrama there, you've got Real Club Sotogrande Grande um, there, and, and La Reserva, two courses that I was very lucky to play in May that are just world class, like. You'd have no issue um, holding events at Rail Club Sotter Grande and, and Valderrama, obviously. Um, I don't know if La Reserva would have the space maybe for fans and stands. I might be completely wrong. But that's just another example. Like in France, you, you, I imagine you could do the same in France. And and yeah, I mean, I suppose if it kept, if, if we if we kept having like multi-course 
events, maybe the charm of it would die. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, it, it sort of it has that unique feel, doesn't it? I, yeah. I do understand that. I was just I was just thinking uh, of a place I went last year. I went up to to Ayrshire last year and played Western Gales, Dundonald Links. Yeah, um, you could easily add a a Gales Links or Troon Turnbury into into that as a sort of three or four as well. Um, I think the British Masters would be a good one. You mentioned Hillside, Southport and Ainsdale, Burtdale. There's Lytham St Anne's as well, also just down yeah. the road. Um, so that would be a, a great show. But I, I do think that you could maybe get away with two or three a year. Um, I think mm. if you went any more than that, then it would start to lose its sort become of... A, yeah, yeah. Know. Become a bit of a novelty, wouldn't it, if you could sort of just kept doing it. But it's something yeah. that maybe could be done every sort of few years. Um in different countries as well. Yeah, you could have like I'm, I'm sure I don't really know how it works at the Alfred Dunhill, but you could have if if they had courses very close together, you could have like some sort of shuttle service for the fans to take you between courses. You could go to say if you had it, say if you'd literally just had it at um in Mersey on Merseyside, the British Masters or whatever, or any event, you could have a like a you know bus service from Hillside to Southport and Ainsdale, and you could have a you could literally just walk around from Hillside to to Birkdale, and it's it's, it's obviously a, a bit of an outlandish idea, but it's definitely one that you could that you could consider. It would definitely add a different dimension. That's something that's completely different, you know. I think DP World Tour, as a tour that's sort, sort of very much secondary to the PGA Tour, um, in terms of interest, um, that's a way they could they could innovate and and you know make it more popular for players to come over as well. Yeah, completely agree. And of course, the the great thing about the Alfred Dunner links as well from from a spectator's point of view is that it's free for the first three days. Not normally, obviously, we're, we're yeah. not taking into account what's happened. Obviously, this the first, week, the first five days this year. <laughs> yeah, if you want to stand under your umbrella and get soaked on Saturday and Sunday, <laughs> uh, but usually those first three rounds on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday are you know are, are free to go and watch, and and obviously you can walk around. They are, there is a bit of distance, obviously, between the three courses, so you kind of need to pick where you're going to be on on each day. Yeah. It's free to walk around, and we know what St Andrews is like. You know, it's free to walk around just aimlessly most of the time, anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, the rain obviously had a big effect in in Scotland this week, and it obviously continues to still has a big have a big effect as we talk on this Monday lunchtime. Talking of rainy conditions, um, it wasn't the only event this week that's had to be shortened in some way. Uh, the Aramco Team Series Hong Kong event also had to be pulled back to just thirty six yeah. holes. This weekend, a very strange set of circumstances that actually led to the conclusion of the tournament. Um, Zhi Yulin and Jin Yun Ko were tied after two rounds on Saturday evening. Um, and then with the event, eventually what would be cut short due to um, Typhoon Koi Nu, um, I hope I've pronounced that right, um, <laughs> well the uh, Hong Kong government issued a T8 alert. So basically, you're not playing, you know, essentially for the, during the <laughs> afternoon, I think it was. not to play. Yeah, on Sunday afternoon. So in the end, Lynn and Co um, actually went out onto the course on Sunday morning for a playoff um, with uh, Zhiyu Lin um, sinking an absolutely monster birdie putt on the second playoff hole to, to win, beating the world number three. Um, but yeah, a very weird set of circumstances. Um, and along with what happened in Scotland, it, another thing that got me thinking, it's very rare that I think this much on a, on a Monday morning. <laughs> um, but... Should shortened right. events class as official wins? I mean, the PGA Tour ruling is that if an event is cut to 54 holes, then it still counts as official. That's, of course, from a four-round event, mm. the 72. And um, anything less than that is unofficial and usually goes on a count back back to 36 holes. 
Um, a bit similar to what it is like in Formula One when they when, if they get past the seventy five percent mark, it's full points. If not, okay. they bring it back to half points. Um, but what what are your thoughts on on this? Obviously, it's 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 very rare that something like this happens. Obviously, I mean, it happened at the uh, was it the it was BMW PGA, of course, last year after the death of of Queen Elizabeth. Um, of course, yeah. Um, but usually it's 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 weather affected. Um, Fifty four holes still all right with you as an official win. I think I think yeah, I think just about because obviously it's, it's not the player's fault, is it? Um, say if for example, as we speak now, no, to be a bit time sensitive by the time we get this out. But as we speak now, um, uh, Southgate, Matt, Matt Southgate, Matt Fitzpatrick uh, competing at the top, Ryan Fox, Nicholas Colsarts. Um, so whoever wins, you know, it doesn't make a difference to them, does it? And it's the same for each each player. They've um, they're playing good golf at the top of the leaderboard. So I suppose after fifty four holes, if there's a winner, there's a winner. There's nothing you can do because then you, you, it couldn't have gone beyond today because then you've got the Spanish Open coming up. Um, so you, you, it couldn't have gone beyond today. Um, and well, and also the Live Golfers have got an event to get to, haven't they, Matt? So we've got to think of them. We've got Ben bear there in, them in mind as well, haven't we? I mean, you you would expect that they'd be right at the top of the leaderboard as a fifty-four hole event, but that's a different story. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, um, God, yeah, yeah. Well, what happens if they have a live event? They only play about nine holes. They'd, they'd have played one round if this happened at a live event. And well, and also if you think about it, if they had to stop halfway through, they'd have all played different holes. With it being a shotgun start, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it wouldn't have been. There wouldn't be a point where you could think, right, okay, well, at least everyone's played six holes, so we'll take the first six holes of everyone's score. Yeah. Um, Andrew, Andrew, it might not be long until we see a live event at St Andrews based on who's play, who, who, who was teeing it up with Martin Slumbers earlier in the week. Well, there is that. And, of course, we've seen the International Series at Fairmont St Andrews as well recently, haven't we? Yeah, so... So... Be fair, <laughs> <laughs> 10 years time, because we see live, live St Andrews? <laughs> oh, I, 10 years, I think, might be... Way too far in the distance, I think, for something <laughs> like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, a 54 hole, hole event, whether it's shortened or not, as you said, it's not the player's fault, is it? Um, and if you're playing good golf over three rounds, the majority of the time, you're going to play good golf in the fourth round as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I think and, so. Um, and I think I, there are events where it's been cut short to one round, two rounds because of weather, and they don't class as unofficial wins sorry they're mm. classes unofficial wins I should say and I think that's fair because you think you can we've seen players lead after 36 holes and crumble yeah. and we've seen players come from 10 12 shots behind after 36 holes and still win or at least put themselves in contention it's slightly different after 54 holes so I think an official win for this Alfred Dunner links is perfectly fair in my book what is sort of interesting I suppose is that as um Jordan, I think it was Jordan Smith who won the Portugal Masters on like thirty under, and I think that was meant to be a record on the DP World Tour, but it wasn't because they were on the preferred lies. So that's like an interesting angle as well. Like that, although it is although it goes down as a win, the actual score doesn't count as a record because of preferred lies. Um, so that's like another interesting way of how like a interesting thought of how the weather can affect records and and scores on on. Just on, on on tours in general, um, God, it would certainly be preferred lies this week in Carnoustie and St Andrews. <laughs> take take <laughs> a boat out to the fairway. To I was going to say preferred lies and take the scuba gear just to, just in case. <laughs> yeah, um, it's an interesting one. one. 
Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I'm sure Jordan Smith probably doesn't mind because he's got the trophy and the money yeah. in the bag. So, I mean, but it's, it's a good point you make there. Obviously, 30 under over the course of four rounds is, is an incredible, incredible score. That's video game scoring almost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, just, it was something that crossed my mind, obviously, because we, we do see it happen from time to time and we have seen them not classed as official wins. And it was just, just wanted to get your, your thoughts on that. Um, but as you, as you mentioned, you know, live goal, 54 holes. So, they, I mean, I repeat, yeah. those four should be at the top of the leaderboard, but that's a different story. Just to be fair, the, the, this weekend, there was actually um, like a genuine possibility that they were, it, was, it was only going to be 36 holes. Like, the weather looked so bad this mo- like last night. Um, it was definitely on that there wasn't going to be another round today because obviously you've got events, subsequent events this week um, on the PJ Tour, Live and, and DP. So, I mean... Fair, I mean, again, as we say, fair play to the people who have worked so hard to get that event on because if it was only 36 holes, it, it would have definitely been, I mean, a not very legitimate event, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, how would you have actually decided yeah. who the winner was because yeah. you're playing across three courses? Yeah, not um, a prize money situation as well. It would, have been, it would have been fascinating, to be fair. Yeah, um, but I mean, it was, of course... National uh, Greenskeepers Day a couple of weeks back, and this is a very late shout for for that. But yeah, as yeah. we mentioned, fair play to all the green staff that have been working tirelessly. I'm sure over the last, I mean, I'm sure they probably didn't bother going out on Saturday Saturday morning, no. having seen the rain. Um, day off for that. We'll just let the rain <laughs> soak in. Um, but yeah, c- incredible work from from them, and fair play to getting this DP World Tour event to hopefully what will be a conclusion at some point today. Um, I mentioned that long. Uh, birdie put to win a playoff in, in Hong Kong for, for Zhi Yu Lin. There was also another long birdie put to win a playoff this week, and that came on the PGA Tour. We'll move stateside now. Um, the first five-man um, PGA Tour playoff, or should I say the first to feature at least five golfers on the PGA Tour since 2021, that came at the Sanderson Farms Championship this weekend. Uh, Luke List eventually came out on top, beating compatriots Ben Griffin and Scott Stallings, along with the Swedish duo of Ludwig Ober and Henrik Norlander. Birdied the first playoff hole with a 45-footer. Um, but firstly, just before we get on to Luke List, I want to commend Ludwig Ober for travelling back to the States yeah. and featuring this week after the Ryder Cup. I mean, the same goes to, as you mentioned, Tommy, Matt Fitzpatrick and Bob McIntyre. They didn't have to travel quite as far as Ludwig has. Um <laughs> But to be playing this week, and of course, Matt Fitzpatrick in contention, as you mentioned earlier, to play this week after you know the highs and lows, the trials and tribulations of the Ryder Cup, the biggest event in golf. I mean, what a story it would have been if Ludwig had actually managed to win a first PGA Tour title yesterday, Matt. I know. Well, to be fair, he must have. Um, he must be quite keen to play in this full series to get a bit more to get up the the eligibility rankings for next season. To be fair. Um, I mean, his, his world ranking. I mean, his world ranking is going to rock it up. Um, so I don't think he'll have any issue getting into the majors, for example. I think by the time, say, the new year comes round, um, I think he'll have, for example, Luke List, who, who obviously won, he um has now earned a place at Century Tournament of Champions and um and the Masters. So if if so if Aberg had won um last night. Then he would have been in the Masters as well, but as I see, his world ranking is actually seventy nine. So by the time the new year comes round and the Masters comes round, he'd have qualified for that anyway, I imagine. Um, but still, he's clearly keen on earning crucial full series points that will get him up the eligibility rankings for next season. Um, 
but that that that, that this series it, it isn't isn't more crucial. Um, well, no, so I'll say that again. Um, this series is no more crucial to anyone than people like Luke List and Ben Griffin and Norlander and um, Scott Stallings, who you know this win is just is just is, is an absolute dream for Luke List. I mean, I know he won the um won the trap the Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, last year, I think last year in 2022. Yes, start um, start of the season last year. Yeah, yeah, beat Zalatoris, didn't he in a in a playoff? Mm-hmm. Um, loves the playoff. I know. Yeah, <laughs> clearly, he clearly loves the pressure. Loves of playoff. The How has he not won the match play yet? He loves the playoff. <laughs> yeah. Um, we well, might get into. Well, mind you, I say you might get into the match play. There's no longer a match play, is there? <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> um, well, oh, I, yeah. I so apologise to the fans of match play. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, to be fair to Loot List, th- this is what, exactly what this full series they are. These players are clearly taking it seriously, and why shouldn't they? Because they are playing for their they're playing for their lives. They're playing for being that to be in that top hundred and twenty five or hundred and fifteen or whatever it is eligibility list uh, eligibility yeah. category for next season, and that was crucial. They all, I think, Aberg and Aberg and another player from the I can't remember which. Who it was who had another sort of sighter at birdie. Um, a couple of them were off the green, but, the, but Luke, Luke, I think said to his caddy, "I'm going to hold this." And from 45 feet, he's absolutely boxed it in front of his in front of his daughter and his wife, um, his his children, um, I should say, and his, his wife. And absolutely incredible stuff. Um, earning one of the weirdest trophies on the PGA Tour, do you think? Yeah, is it the rooster or the hen or whatever. It's a very weird. He won't care. Let's be honest. He will. He won't care yeah. what the trophy looks like. Um, I was just looking at those at the standings, as, as you mentioned, actually. And despite not winning, uh, Ben Griffin is now top of the standings, so he's now fifty first um, oh, in the but... FedEx Cup uh, standings. So obviously, as we mentioned, top fifty are from the FedEx Cup playoffs um, eligible for all full field, and then those signature events, which are the massive ones that you know everyone wants to get into. 51 to 60 on the FedEx Cup full points list will then qualify for the Pebble Beach Pro-Am and the Genesis Invitational. Um, and then after that, it's an absolute free-for-all. And then the top 125 um, will earn their PGA Tour cards. Um, thanks to this week, both Norlander and Oberg have jumped up into the top 125. Um, Oberg up 23 places to 113 in the standings. Um, and Norlander up 22 places to now sit at 120. Eric Van Royen is the man now right on the edge um, of that. But Luke List, um, as I look, is currently now 61st in the list. He's jumped up 58 places thanks to that oh, victory that, this week. Yeah. 58 places, so he's now right on the cusp of making the Pebble Beach Pro and the Genesis Invitational. Sits so five points behind SH Kim and Mark Hubbard. There's some big names, as we mentioned, you know, in these lists, you know, and you would expect the likes of Justin Thomas, Matt Kuchar, um, Adam Scott, and so on. You know, we've talked about these so much over the last few months, having missed the FedEx Cup playoffs and so on. You'd expect those to play in a couple of these events coming up in the yeah. near future, especially the Americans in, in that group. You might expect Shane Larry to go possibly back and play maybe the Ned Bank Golf Challenge and then the DP World Tour Championship yeah. and, and so on. Um, yeah. But you would expect the likes of JT, and because he played well at the Ryder Cup as well, um, you'd expect them to at least make it into that top sixty and and, and, yeah. and be there. So it means there's probably, if they make it in, six or seven places 
for the rest of the field. And I say the rest of the field, you know, they're all still very good golfers, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it also includes, you've got to think, there's also going to be some players that have made the top 50 that are going to be playing in these full series events, mm. you know, defending champions as well. I think five of them played in the, um, what was the last event? Well, Max Homer was defending, the Fortinet Championship, yeah. sorry. Um, Max Homer was defending, I think Tony Finau played and so on. So it's not always going to be top points available for the for those that aren't in the top 50. And that could also be, uh, you know, that could be crucial come the end of, well, come Christmas, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, it is a crucial, it is a crucial, um, you know, period for the jeopardy for these players. And, you know, Ben Griffin last night, God, I mean, gut-wrenching finish, to be fair for him. He bogeyed 16 and 18. Missed that putt that somehow didn't drop on eighteen, which then allowed everyone else to get into the playoff. Yeah. Um, but then on fifteen, I don't know if you see it on fifteen. He had he was in the trees. It was a drivable par four, about three hundred and thirteen oh. yards long. He's in the trees. Made an incredible the, par. Yeah, an yeah. interesting, an interesting exchange with the um, rules official because he was concerned that he was going to his club could have snapped. I think he was concerned that his club could have snapped a twig while he was while he was setting up to his shot. Um, so that was concern over that. Um, he was asking, the, absolutely quizzing the official about what, what he was allowed to do and what he was Well, he knew what was on the line, wasn't. didn't he? He yeah. knew what was on the line. It's... Yeah. Um, I've sort of thought about that as well, like thinking, watching that, like, is a rules official just allowed to guide you through a situation, like tell you what to do while you're trying to hit a shot? I don't know. I mean, he's not offering, a, he wasn't offering advice, was he? He was just telling him. I suppose what what he, what he was and wasn't allowed to do. He wasn't advising yeah. him on how to hit the shot. I suppose it's not like he was saying, "Well, if you catch that twig just right and with a, with a slight bit of cut, you should put this yeah. to six feet." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it's like like I said, the situation. I mean, he was two up, two ahead at that point. I think. Mm. Um, you know, it, you, you've driven it there. Obviously, he didn't want. He's not wanted to drive it into the trees. Um, some might say I would if I was playing because it's the way I do, but he's not. He's not putting there on purpose, and it's you know that a win is going to really put you at the top of the stand. As, as I just mentioned, he's top of the standings anyway in fifty first place. But if you get a win, it's going to really catapult you yeah. up and, and very much in pole position to, to take one of those ten places in the fifty one to sixty bracket. I think it's absolutely fine that uh, a, a rules official. Yeah, I think you'd rather have a rules official coming in and taking a couple of minutes to say, right, no, you can do this, but you can't do this, rather than finding out afterwards that there's a two-shot penalty applied, blah, 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 and so on, you know? You need to be sure, don't you? You, you need to be... And I know these players technically should know the rules anyway, but I suppose it wanted to be sure in that in that instance. Like, if it was in the first round, maybe, you might not have... You, probably, you might just hit it, maybe. But at that stage of the tournament, you, 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 I don't blame him. <laughs> For wanting an official to basically walk him through his shot, just because it was at a crucial stage and a lot of money on the line. But it, it's so speaking of money as well. Like Ben Griffin is is a very like active man on social media. He's on TikTok recently. We, we did a story about him, didn't we? About his expenses, about of course, yeah, the expenses that he spends on the PGA Tour each week, and you know, so the I mean, the sums are staggering. Yeah, more, than our, more than our annual salaries. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, actually. Um, but he was going through the food, looking after people that go and watch him, 
Um, what his caddy gets, travel, hotels, and that's before he pays his coaches. Is if he's got a nutritionist or something. So we we've I think Ben Griffin likes to reach out to his fans and and sort of bong with them with these videos, and so that's why it was a bit more gut wrenching. He could barely speak afterwards, Mm. um, which is a shame. Um, I think he had his family there watching, but. That goes to show how much it is to, to these players to win. You know, he, he does those TikToks about prize money and about how much it costs each week, but he he just wants to win, doesn't he? So it was a shame that, but it, 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 like with every week on the PGA Tour, there's there's a bit of agony and a bit of ecstasy, and you saw the nice scenes with Luke List sharing the trophy with his kids and his wife, and that's what that's what he wanted to do. He was signing it. He signed his name on the on the like a chalkboard afterwards. Um, and that's that, that's just part and parcel of, isn't it? And and for fair play to him, he's, he's grasped the opportunity in this full series, and he's likely sorted himself. Well, he has sorted himself a couple of tasty invites for next season. Mm. I mean, you mentioned Ben Griffin there. That would it would have been a maiden win on the PGA Tour as mm. well, which makes it even sort of that more more gut wrenching as you mentioned. But Luke List proving himself now to be a, a solid PGA Tour player and one that is definitely one to look out for in 2024 for sure. Yeah, certainly. He's an established winner, isn't he? He beat Willis Alatoris. He beat Willis Alatoris in a playoff last year at the Farms Insurance Open, which is often a strong strong event, um, which a lot of good players go to. You know, Torrey Pines... Is like a obviously a historic venue. It's it's a it attracts it usually attracts a, a good field. I think I think John Rahm's one there. Patrick Cantlay's one there. Um, not Patrick Cantlay. Patrick Reed I think has one there. Hmm. Um, so it often attracts a, a, a good field, um, and that takes him to just under three three million in PJ Tour winnings. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to find his. I'm just trying to find his wins. How many? How many he's actually won? It's just the two. Loot list. Did he won two PGA Tour events? He's loot list has only won two PGA Tour events. Yeah, oh, both Christ. on playoffs. Oh Christ! Okay, I saw that again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the farmers' show is open. Is just an example of how. No, fuck that. So I saw again. Um. So his win at the Farmers Trans Insurance Open was no joke. Like he, that event always has a strong field, and he beat Wills Alatoris in a playoff last year, um, which is massively impressive. You know, Wills Alatoris when he's fit, he's easily one of the best top ten players in the world, and he's proved his winning winning credentials again this week at the Country Club of Jackson. So fair play to him. Um, as I say, grasped the opportunity, and as we know, he's now sixty first in the FedEx Cup full standings. As you've as you've said. Um, and yet, again, it just goes to show, you know, this season, this part of the season is usually regarded as a bit boring, maybe the off-season, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of jeopardy involved in these in these players' careers at the minute. And um, yeah, I mean, th- th- there's going to be a lot more stories like this, a lot more sort of heartbreak and gut-wrenching moments as, as the weeks go on, I think. Yeah, no, I completely, completely agree with that. Um, he loves, I mean, so that's his third playoff. On the on the PGA Tour, let's just say if you know Luke List is going to be in a PGA Tour playoff, put your money mm. on that there's going to be a yeah. birdie on the first extra hole. <laughs> um, Get the lost, plays on. 
Yeah, he lost to JT in the Honda Classic in 2018 to a birdie on the first extra hole. As you mentioned, he beat Will Zalatoris last year at the Farmers with a birdie on the first extra hole. And he won yesterday on the Sanderson Farms with a birdie on the first extra hole. <laughs> I, I'm just, just saying, if it ever happens yeah. again, lump your life savings on there it. Is, there much. is a clear trend here, to be fair. He's, he, he's a clutch player, isn't he? He's a clutch player. Yeah. I mean, Love you've got to win to win a playoff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be some very tenuous links here to move into our, our next um, <laughs> chat. Um, but we mentioned you obviously you mentioned bringing the rules official over of what happened on on fifteen and trying to make sure he wasn't assessed a two shot penalty. Um, one of Luke List's wins on the Corn Ferry Tour came in June 2020. Uh, runner up that day was Shad Tooten. Now ah. Shad Tooten, yes, Shad, oh, maybe not what? so tenuous. That's a hell of a link. Maybe not so tenuous from your reaction there. I'm quite <laughs> pleased with this. Um, Shad Tooten um, was in the news uh, yesterday because he Dude. thought he'd done all he needed to do to qualify for a PGA Tour card because it was the Corn Ferry Tour Championship this week, top 30, I believe, and ties, getting their PGA Tour cards. Um, big week for all those involved on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, which, of course, is a developmental tour Um for the PJ Tour, and Shad Tooten had done everything he possibly could, was inside the top 30, only to be assessed a two-shot penalty for what was a preferred lies infringement, um, mm. dropped out of the top 30 because of that two-shot penalty. I mean, we talk about gut-wrenching, but I mean, imagine finding that out after you think you've qualified. It's just, I mean madness i know i mean to be honest i'm still quite confused by the ruling i know steve steve's did an article on it this morning um so he was assessed a two-shot penalty in hole 15 under preferred lies rule um so he was assessing his third shot on the 15th in the fairway he picked up his ball and then placed it but the footage showed it moved very slightly forwards he picked up his ball again and placed it again, and this time barely a couple of inches to the right. But as soon as he played it, that's when the trouble started. So the local rule requires that players use the procedures for replacing a ball under a different rule, specifically when the player has set the ball down and let it go with the intent for that ball to be in play. But the ball needs to be the ball needs to stay on its point, on its spot, and when it doesn't, this rule says that the player must try a second time. Only if it fails to stay on its spot again can a player place it on the nearest spot where the ball will stay at rest. So when Tooten doesn't replace it on its exact spot but moves it slightly to the right and then makes the stroke, he's in breach because he's hit the ball from the wrong place. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's confusing, but that the rules are the rules, obviously. And I bet, yeah. you can, I, bet he absolutely, I bet he felt sick when this video was revealed and the ruling was given. And yeah. Again, that's a story that... This this part of the season, it is just it's, it, there's not much glory involved, is there? It's just sort of it's heartbreak, gut wrenching heartbreak, and, <laughs> and especially with the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, where these lads are literally in a sporting context, are fighting for their lives, aren't they? Yeah, completely. Um, I mean, we should just put into context that because of wet conditions at the event, it was lift, clean, and place mm. and preferred lies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why um, the rule came into effect. Um, I mean. I've seen the footage and 
I think it might just be a case of he doesn't notice that the ball's moved forward yeah. ever so slightly. Not nothing deliberate about it, yeah. I think because obviously if it's moved forward ever so slightly, you'd think it, you'd arguably think it's on a slight downslope, which probably makes it a harder shot to play. Mm. Um, I genuinely think it's just a complete mishap, so unfortunate. But of course, it's cost him. It's it's cost him a PGA Tour card. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you can't really explain it. Um, I mean, the rule is the rule, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we, it's just, yeah, brutal is the exact word. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're both speechless. <laughs> it says a lot. Of players, if you look at the others at the end of the spectrum, a number of exciting players did qualify. Um, Paul Barjon from France won. I think won won the event, so he he, he certainly got in. And then the, you had Adrian Dumont de Chussart, who good pronunciation, um, well done, he, good. You've been um, working on that. Well, he, he's a player I've I put in my future Ryder Cup lineups the other day. Um, I think he's definitely got the got, he's, he's he's got a huge chance to be on the twenty twenty five European Ryder Cup team. I think same sort of same sort of theory behind him as maybe with Ludwig as well, but. Um, He's certainly got a chance to have a glitter in PJ Tour career. You've got the Coody brothers. Um, David Skins, 41-year-old player from Lincoln, um, has now got his PJ Tour card. Grayson Murray. So that should um, that, that could make for a few good headlines next year. Where do I know that name from? Grayson Murray, hey? Mm. <laughs> we all know there's been a few issues out. Of course, the Coody brothers, am I not right in saying they're twins as well? Yes, I think so, yeah. Um, so, I mean... That will be another set of twins uh, in the professional game, obviously, <laughs> along with the Hoy guards. Um, can we imagine, well, imagine that? The, the Cup one year, the Coodies <laughs> versus the Hoy guards. It's, it's just got to be done a foursomes match. <laughs> <laughs> that was like something from WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you mentioned yeah Paul Barjon. I mean, very very talented Frenchman, um, very good player. Um, Ben Coles, of course, another. Mm-hmm. He's headed back to the PGA Tour for the third time. Um, Chan you know, Rafael Kim. Campos, yeah, Rafael Campos in the last space, who thought he'd missed out. Oh, he yeah, shot, I mean, that, shot five that, over. That, he shot five oh. over and made five bogeys and thought he'd missed out. And then two hours later, he, he found out he was in. Yeah. Um, I think one of the big stories for me is that Alejandro Tosti, of course, is, yes. is there. And of course, he was forced to forced by the tour to withdraw from the first playoff event due to a disciplinary issue um, a few weeks back. Um, very talented player, but seems to have a few issues when it comes to you know behaviour on course <laughs> and things like that. So that will be one to to keep an eye on. I think for next year, Ben Silverman. Um, Mm. Former former PGA Tour player. You mentioned the Coody brothers, obviously. Um, there's some great some great names in there, um, and of course they will all be playing for their playing for their lives next year. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But they're, they're all yeah. I imagine they're all absolutely buzzing, excited. Yeah. So it's the top thirty players in the eligibility list following the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. So yeah, there's a lot of players there that we just named to keep our eyes on for next season for sure. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Rafa Campos, obviously. Missed that short put. Um, his reaction after that, no one moved. Not even his mm. playing partners mm. moved. He just sort of sunk to his knees, <laughs> feeling that his his 
his chance was over and of course the penalty applied to Shad Tutin means that he is back in, you know, and on to the PGA Tour for the 2024 season. Um, mm-hmm. I don't actually quite know whether it means they can play in the fall series events or, or not, or whether it only comes into play from, from January. I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure on that. Matt, it's yeah, to look. be fair, I'll just be fair, I'm not, but um, no, I'm not, I'm not to be fair. I'm not that no. <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd think we were, honestly, listeners, well, we, we, are, we are very well, well up to date <laughs> with what we you know, we know exactly what we're talking about, as, as I'm sure you've heard <laughs> over the last you know, a few months. Um, <laughs> talking to the PGA Tour, of course, one massive story that came out in the middle of last week um, is that a certain Lexi Thompson mm. will feature this week. She will become the seventh female golfer um, to feature on the PGA Tour. Brittany Linsicum was the most recent. Um, she played at the Barbasol. That was five years ago. Um, mm. Michelle Wee West, Susie Whaley, Annika Sorenstam, the great Annika Sorenstam, of course, Shirley Spork and Babe Didrikson, Zaharias are the only others um, to have ever played on the PGA Tour. Zaharias was the first, and she is still the only woman to ever make a cut in a PGA Tour event. Um, been a few years since she did that, and she did it twice as well. Fair play to Zaharias back in 1945. So it's been... Yeah. God, my maths is poor. It's been almost 80 years since a woman has made the cut on the PGA Tour. Lexi, of course, not had the best of seasons, um, but came back into form at the Solheim Cup. Yeah, performed well, didn't she? Was one of, one, of, one of the best Americans out there. Um, what can she do this week at the Shriners Children's Open, Matt Chivers? Well, I, I'm, to be fair, I'm really excited to see that. Like, I... I I think it's a great thing. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see how she gets on. Um, it'd be so fascinating to see, um, yeah, just just her progress and how, and how she she described it as a dream or a once in a lifetime opportunity for herself. As she was given a sponsor's exemption, um, I don't know if you saw Peter Malnati's comments from last in the week. Uh, a member of the PJ Tour Policy Board. Um, I'll just read you them. He was asked about. Uh, Lexi Thompson's sponsor invite to the Shriners Children's Open. Shriners, yeah, 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 that's what it's called, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and his, he said, my gut reaction when I saw that was like the tournament was reaching to try and get, just trying to draw up interest. I, under, I think I understand that if that is the case, I don't think we're going to need to resort to gimmicks to draw up interest. Then he said, I shouldn't have said that. I don't know that having Lexi play is a gimmick but I don't think the tournaments are going to have to go to those kind of lengths to draw up interest and get storylines that they can sell because I think these events are actually going to have a lot of meaning. So he sort of said what he, he sort of said was what he was thinking and then he said what was in his head and then backtracked um, and said it wasn't a gimmick. But I think a gimmick's a, a harsh word. Um, I think certainly the Shriners Children's Open has you know, reached out to Lexi um, during a period of the, of the season that a lot of people regard as the off-season. A lot of people regard these events as not interesting, um, probably not going to tune in as much as you would during the normal season when the bigger events are on. So as a strategy to draw up interests, there is no doubt that that's why they've invited Lexi Thompson. I think that would have been in their minds as opposed to, I don't know, growing the game and trying to create role models and things like that. However... Does it matter about their motivation? I don't think it technically doesn't really matter about the tournament's motivation to invite her because 
Thompson is going to be playing on the PJ Tour, surrounded in a field full of male players, and it's going to be it's going to be honestly, it's going to be great, and it's you know it's drummed up my interest. You know, I you know a couple of weeks ago I didn't even know what tournament it was like at this start at this at this point of the year. So for Lexi Thompson to be playing, it's certainly going to increase the eyeballs on the event, and it's because of her as well. It's a testament to her glittering career. You know, experienced Soham Cup player, um, race to CME Globe winner. Um, major winner so I'm very much looking forward to if people think it's a gimmick or not I don't think it I don't think it matters because it's going to be um a fascinating spectacle to see one of the LPGA Tour's biggest stars play on the PGA Tour I don't really see how anyone can argue with that no I mean I completely completely agree with you and I um I remember when Michelle Wee West um did so um Mm. Um, back in was it two thousand and seven? Yeah, two thousand and seven at the Sony Open. Um, I mean, she, she, she. I think she will admit herself. She had a terrible couple of days that week. She missed a cut by fourteen shots. Mm. Um, but then she played again at uh, the Legends Reno Tahoe Open uh, a year later, um, missing the cut again by nine strokes. I think that sort of because Michelle Wee West was sort of the, the poster girl of the LPGA tour at that point, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. She was she was women's golf, if we yeah. if we're being totally honest at that point. Um, you know, she was the best young talent in golf. I mean she played on the LPGA tour when she was what, eleven, something like mm-hmm. that. Um and of course Lexi stood exactly the same. You know, she played in the US women's open at twelve, thirteen. I mean Incredible. Right. I mean, I think I was still playing off about fifty-six when I was thirteen. <laughs> um, it's different, different world. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what she does this week. And like you, I'm going to be very much tuned in to to see how she goes. There'll be a lot of coverage on it. There'll be a lot of TV coverage on it from the guys in the states, from the Golf Channel, and and so on. And honestly, for me, I think personally, I think it's a great thing. To it's a great thing. I think. This time of the season, and I'm not saying you know I don't want to be you know disparage the event, but you would see it as a lesser event to say you know yeah. the farmers insurance or so on because it's part of this fall series. Well, lesser um, event to compared to any event, really. Yeah, I mean it's an event. I mean it's a, it's a long-standing PGA Tour event. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, and of I mean, course, the motivation behind it is obviously raising thousands of pounds, which is obviously incredible. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those events that is done for charity, as we mentioned. Obviously, yeah. usually called the Shriners um, Hospitals for Children Open. Just the Shriners Children's Open this week, and mm. um, just a slight change, but the the the, the statement still stands. Um, <laughs> so it's going to be. I think it's going to be a great week, um, and I really do hope Lexi does well. I think it's one of those where if if she doesn't perform, then the whole you know our oh, the whole conversation is going to come back again, isn't it? Mm. Um, so I really hope she does perform um, for her, for, for golf in general, really, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's quite a bit riding on it. Yeah. I mean, if she misses the cut, you're going to get all the horrible, all the horrible um, critics on Facebook come out, I think, saying, oh, w- 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 why did this happen? But um, no, I can't wait to be fair. I can't wait to see her tee up amongst, amongst the PJ Tour players and see how she gets on. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be, and you know, whether Peter Manatti thinks he's a gimmick, I think he probably does because that's why he said it. I know he backtracked immediately, but I think he just said it what he was thinking, didn't he? Um, I think that's a harsh thing to say. Um, and I think it is to drum up interest. But 
why does it matter? Because it, it's going to be it's going to be a real, real fascinating viewing experience. I think. Yeah, I mean, re- realistically, if Peter Malnati is in the field, just beat her. Yeah, you know? it's the, I mean, it's the same as beating any other random bloke. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's name any golfer that's going to play in that, that or that may have missed out on playing in that PGA Tour event because, like, Tom's yeah. playing. You're still going to try and beat them, whoever yeah. it is. Yeah. You know? Um, whether it's Lexi Thompson, whether it's Tiger Woods, whether it's me or you, you're still going to mm. try and beat them. Yeah. You have more yeah. chance with a few of us, admittedly. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, of course, that's not the only event that's happening this week. Um, we've got Live Golf returning to yep. Jeddah. Um, and of course, coming into that off the back of an incredible performance last week uh, will be David Puig. Um, again, David, I apologise if you're listening. I don't know <laughs> you I hope that's how you pronounce um, your surname, David. Sure it is. Yeah, it's close enough. Um, what a performance from him in Singapore last week. Uh, he was nine clear at the end of the third round, um, which allowed him to fire in a casual one over par 73 on Sunday to win in <laughs> Singapore. Just 21 years of age. What a talent the young man is. Um, you know, him and Eugenio Shikara as well, two absolute young guns that are playing live golf and, of course, on the international series as well um and what i love as well is that order of merit winner or sorry order of merit leader i should say on both the international series um and asian tour is um andy ogletree of course we've had many comments from him about live golf and, and so on over the last few months and um, just made a casual hole in one on uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, during the week um just one of those weeks you know um but David Puig, great, great performance and um, a great start to his young career at just twenty-one. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's only twenty-one is, is pretty incredible. Um, he's absolutely no age, um, and a lot of people would probably say it's a shame that he went from college to um, to live and didn't try it on, you know, the the established tours that we know and love. Um, but you know, there is there is no there is no doubt that he's a massive talent, winning by six shots, wire to wire. In the Asian tour, you know, I did look at the leaderboard. The leaderboard was a bit of a tough scene, you know, not many recognisable stars on there. But a win, a win is a win, um, and this comes up after a very impressive college career. You won the South Southwestern Invitational in twenty twenty one by by nine shots, just his fifth start, and then he won it again the next year. Um, so clearly, a massive talent. He hasn't actually had a great season on live golf. I think I think he's only had two top tens. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about their forty-eight player fields, um, they're sort of that impressive. Um, he's in talk, isn't he? Talk GC with Joachim Neiman and the likes. Yes, the um, uh, yeah. So group. if if the if the golf world does unify again one day, and this framework agreement does come to fruition, and if there is a pathway for live golf players to be on the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, if that can never happen again and all the fines are paid and all the all the um all the past is forgotten. And if he plays well in, if he plays well enough, he could be chosen or make the 2025, 2027 Ryder Cup teams. I, I don't see why not, because he's twenty one. Like that is mad. Um and you know I mean he'll have to join the DP World Tour and I don't think he's a member. Um, I looked. I think I looked yesterday or day before, and I don't think he's a member, not an affiliate member or anything like that. So I think he obviously would have to sort that out, um, and he wouldn't be eligible for any fines either because 
Um, he wasn't a member when he played when he teed up first in, in the first event last year. So I think he's got a very bright future, um, and I don't see why. You know, to immediately to immediately talk about the Ryder Cup might be a bit much, but in terms of what live players could actually push for a place, he would be the one, wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually going to ask the question. You mentioned, obviously, um, choosing Dumont de Chessart um, in your piece that you wrote. I was going to mention if David, ask if David Puig even crossed your mind. As no, a... I, to be honest, I, I sort of just discounted the live golf roster, to be honest. Um, because of what's happened recently, yeah, and so on. Yeah, yeah I just the that. politics of it. And because, to be honest, Puig didn't actually enter my mind just because I sort of thought of the European... The European roster, the European portion of the Live Golf roster, is very um sort of um old and arguably past their best. Not not to um be disrespectful, but it's pretty true, isn't it? And I didn't actually didn't cross my mind to choose Prig, but I can't. It's difficult to choose a um choose a player that plays for Live Golf when you don't know the politics of the situation. I did choose Brooks Kepka, however, I can see him. I can see him. Um, winning a major in the next few years to qualify anyway. Um, but Puiggy finished top 40 of the US Open recently. Um, he's had a few good finishes on the, on, the, on the actual tours that get ranking points. So you do never know, maybe it's 2027 that he, that he comes by because he'll he'd still only be 25 by then. So you never know what, what the golf world will look, look at by then. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very good point. Very good point indeed. Um, talking to Spain, we've got the Open D Espana um, this week as well. Um, might not surprise you that John Rahm is back to try and win the title for God. What what must be a thirty sixth or thirty seventh time? He absolutely <laughs> loves the Open de España. Um, I think he's a three time winner. Um, I mean, it, it's not not been prior to the Ryder Cup, not been in great form. Um, really, obviously, he had those four wins at the start of the season, culminating in the green jacket. Um, but since then, he sort of went went off the boil just just slightly. Uh, but came back and obviously we saw his heroics um, at the Ryder Cup as, as Europe, perhaps surprisingly downed the um, American team of 12. Um, it's, it's always a major event for, for John Rahm, the Open de España, as yeah. his home event and with obviously Seve and Oli as his heroes, isn't it? He's a real sort of like golf historian, isn't he? Like I think he, with every time I've seen Jose Maria, like in the flesh, like and when he speaks and stuff, he he, he just... He just realises his place as like an ambassador for golf and ambassador for Spanish golf as well. Um, he just holds uh, he just holds himself so well, and I think John Rahm is exactly like that. Like he realises how important the Spanish Open is to him and to Spain, and how important it is to be on that on that past winners board, like for his own pride. And he wants to he clearly wants to ingrain himself in the history of Spanish golf. I mean, he's, he's already done that, obviously, um, but. He that that's why he turns up to these events. He's he's very very um, aware of where he can stand in the history of golf. I think, um, and that's why and that's why he wants to be to be at these events. He, he wants to play at them. He realizes how important it is for the fans. I think as well, the fans would absolutely love to see him there on the ground. So yeah, I think um, I think it's going to be an exciting, I mean, even more exciting week when he and Justin Rose are playing as well. Because otherwise, it, it it would lack interest, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the Spanish 
um, sort of theme there and how much the fans are, will, will like to. It is a good, there's a strong Spanish contingent, uh, you know, along with John Rahm, you've got the likes of Pablo Larazabel, Jorge Campillo, yeah. um, Adrian Otegi, Adrian Naus, Rafa Cabrera Bayo, um, Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño, of course, uh, has been a multiple time um, DP World Tour winner in the past. So it's a strong group of, of Spaniards that will feature this week. And then obviously you've got the likes of those who, who are currently playing as we speak um, at the Alfred Dunnell, who are going to have to rush over to Spain, actually, you know, either tonight or tomorrow um, to get ready for Thursday. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a short week. Mm, certainly, <laughs> certainly, yeah. But I mean, that, 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 that's why they had to get it done today, isn't it? Because they had to get it done today, whatever happened, because you've got more events to come. Exactly, you're not wrong. Um, like we mentioned, so it's Open Espana, Shriners Children's Open and Live Golf Jeddah, of course, this week, the penultimate event on the Live mm. Tour this week, because then it'll be the, uh, how, well, it's the finale will be in, in Miami um, mm. next weekend with the Teams Championship and there's a match play format and, and so on. Um, obviously, we'll come back on that next week. Um, it's the finale of, of the 2023 Live Golf season. Of course, there's mm-hmm. not been anything, we haven't heard anything yet about what the 2024 schedule might look no, like. No, no, no. Um, but of course, I think that probably is due to the lack of whether this framework agreement will become an actual agreement yeah. or not. Um, so obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll find out in due course. Um, but it's going to be another good week of golf. Um, I mean... You can't argue when you've got three pretty high-quality fields. You've got, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, Lexi Thompson playing at the Shriners Children's Open. You've got John Rahm on home soil looking to win the Open to Spaniard again. And then you've just got the small matter of DJ Bryson, Brooks, and so <laughs> on um, at Live Golf Jeddah. Um, it's going to be a great week. Matt, I'm sure we'll do this again same time next week. Hopefully, yeah. we won't be talking while a DP World Tour event is trying to come to its conclusion. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll know what's happened. I oh, know. No. Hopefully, we can update the fans to actually something has happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Slam Podcast. Uh, I've been Matt Coles, joined by Matt Chivers, as always. And we will see you, and hopefully, you'll be listening to us next week. Mm, cheers. Nice. Lovely. Mm. Completely went off the